Will you turn your Bible with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2. Did you know that the Lord's kingdom is unshakable? It will never fade away. It will never fail. Because he who sits on the throne who guarantees it has defeated death. He's defeated sin. He's broken its power. And he is our guarantee that the kingdom will never end. A lot of times we talk about building the kingdom and we need to extend the kingdom. And those things are not bad things to say. Uh, But theologically, when we talk about those things, really we know that God's kingdom is everywhere. You cannot escape him anywhere you go. You cannot escape his rule anywhere you go. And so for us, what we're really doing is building the church. And that means you're getting built up as members of the church, as part of his body, as part of the bride of Christ. And the church itself is being built up and extended and expanded. And people are being changed. And the greatest joy that we have are peaceful moments, yes, like David told us, but also those peaceful moments when you reflect and you see people walking in the truth. Aren't those great moments? When you see the peace of your family because they're at peace with God walking his way. When you know that the Lord's hand has intervened and saved your life and saved our souls, how incredible. What a great God we serve. Today, as we look at Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to remember about the Lord's kingdom and about what he's done. And I want to encourage you because, quite honestly, we're living in weird and wild and exciting and unprecedented sort of times. Um, These things have happened before. There have been pandemics in the past. There's been viruses and all kinds of things. But now living in the Internet age is a different thing that hasn't happened with some of these before. Uh, We are facing the same kinds of spirits of the world that are out there. They, They are the same. Um, Our mission is still the same. Just because we have the internet available to us now does not change what God's about. What is he doing? He's expanding his church. He's building his church. He's building upon the foundation of those who've come before us, upon the gospel itself, because God is calling people to himself with redeemed and restored lives to look like Jesus. That's what he's doing. That's our mission. That's his mission. That's what he's about. And when we come to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at this passage where this church is living in unprecedented times for them. Same kind of deal. They are living in a time where their city is uh, a big and influential city, and God is starting to save people out of the uh, pagan religion that has gripped this city. And the idolatry and the worship that's there is very significant in Ephesus in this ancient time. And so as people are being saved out of that and coming into Christianity, it's an unparalleled time because they, uh, they have never known loss before from the idol's temple. And now all of a sudden there's this new group, these Christians, who are living in this unprecedented age of proclaiming the gospel. And it's exciting and it's good, but it's filled with dangers and all kinds of things. And I'm blessed to read it, what Paul says to us, because it applies to us also today. Let's read in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 1. Let's read what it says. Ephesians chapter 2, starting verse 1. Here's what it says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness and grace toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Praise the Lord for his word. Isn't it good to know that you are God's workmanship? You are his workmanship. You're not just an accident. You're not an evolutionary byproduct. You're not a, an obligation. You know, the Lord, he didn't have to save us. And yet he chose to save us. He chose you. And he ordained for you great things to do. Prepared beforehand these good works that you should walk in them. Because you are the example of his craftsmanship. What a great God. We're uh, trying to finish my basement and I've been working on the basement for a long time, and it's going, it's not going great, but that's okay. And so uh, we have a gate at the top of the stairs, or an opening, rather, at the top of the stairs, and I needed a gate because the babies can just kind of fall down the stairs, and that's not good, of course. And so Lisa, years ago, had said that she wanted these pallets, and so I've been carrying around these pallets in my garage for like six years, and I decided um, last week, or two weeks ago, rather, I was super sick, and uh, came on very suddenly, and I went and got, got a COVID test and all that kind of stuff, which was negative, praise God. And um, Sunday morning, I was thinking, well, I'll wake up Sunday. I'm sure I'll be fine and probably be good if, if there's no symptoms. You know, maybe I can go to the meeting. And I woke up Sunday morning, and I felt I just terrible. I was so sick. And so, uh, so I laid in bed. I was in bed till 4 in the afternoon on Sunday. And finally, I got up, you know, and I started feeling a little bit better. I had this crazy, terrible headache, and it finally went away a little bit. And so uh, I felt so unproductive because I just been in bed all day. You know that feeling? Yeah. So I got up and I thought, well, I got to do something. So I went and found those pallets. And uh, as much as I could stand because I was pretty weak, I uh, started working on this gate for the top of the stairs. And so I'm working on the gate and I'm finishing it, you know, and it looks like rustic old barn kind of stuff because it's old pallets. I've been sitting outside for a long time and then in my garage for like six years. So finally I finished the thing. And I'm like, man, this is... It looks, I mean, it looks pretty good. Like, this is all right. This is, this is the gate. It's going to save the children's lives, and my wife is going to be happy. You know, that's, that's what I was thinking. So I went to the top of the steps, and I measured very carefully, of course, and I went to put it in, and it just fit so tight <laughs> that you could not open it. So I had to shave it down a little bit and finally got the hinges on and got it all worked out and put that gate in. And, you know, it's not the best gate ever, let's be honest. It is, uh, it's got a lot of flaws. It's, it's meant to look kind of rustic, but the thing is not awesome. And it's funny though, because I was so proud of it because I built it, just kind of did it with a plan in my head and went. And it was my workmanship. And I did it because I wanted my wife to be blessed. I wanted my kids to be safe. And so that gate has become now this like symbol of like doing things and that's good. And I'm blessed and it's like, yeah, it's so much more functional. It's so, so much better. You know, God, when he chose you, he crafted you. You're his workmanship that he made to look like Jesus, not just to make you feel better, not just to solve problems, not just to be a nice thing to do, 
but because it demonstrates his glory so much better than that silly gate could ever do for me. He took pride and takes pride in you as his workmanship. Did you know that he takes pride in the things that he has ordained beforehand and prepared before you were even born that you would get to walk in and the things that you would do for his glory? You know, he takes pride in that. Sometimes I think we have this idea that God is sort of um, doing things on accident. Like he, sh- he throws things at us uh, at, at sort of willy-nilly just to see what we'll do about it. But the Bible tells us that you are being crafted as his workmanship to display his glory and to do all the things that he, from before you were born, ordained for you to do. And that is part of his kingdom. His kingdom is so big, when he says something, it does not return to him void. And so if he said something over your life, if he said, today I have chosen to use Ian, then Ian is going to do great things for God's glory. Isn't that awesome? And do you know when our own strength fails? Paul told us, this salvation is not from us, it's from the grace of God. Not by our works so we can't boast, but instead when our strength fails, even in our own salvation we didn't get it. But now even walking into all the things that God has called to us, when we go and do them, we do them not in our own strength because he's made us so great, but as his workmanship we function in the way he's called us to. And everything that he spoke over us, every gift, every talent, every strength, every ability, and every moment of suffering that led up to that has worked into you to be something for his glory. And he loves you. That gate, I don't love it. I mean, I'm excited about it because I built it. You should come see it. It's pretty cool. But it's, it's just a gate. If it were to break, I'd feel embarrassed, but I'd go try to build another one or buy one, probably better. (laughs) But it's just a gate. You're not just a gate to God's glory. You are God's glory. You're his workmanship. He crafted you so that you would look like him and that that would be a glory to him and that the peace that David was talking about would come because of the work he's done in your life to make you his What a great God we have. You know, that message is so different than coronavirus, isn't it? (laughs) Fear, uncertainty, weird, can we trust our government? Yes, we should. I don't know. Submit? Yes, of course. How? Where? Ah. Is it good? Is it bad? Election year? God help us. What's going on? Tornadoes? Hurricanes? What is happening? Land hurricanes? God help us. I mean, what a year we've had so far. It's uncertain and crazy and weird and all these kind of things. And God is working in a people that will be the beacons to demonstrate his glory. Because he's called us to be salt and light. He's called us to be his. He's called us to be a royal nation of priests. He saved us not of our own accord while we were yet in our trespasses. He raised us up and seated us with him that we would look out on the crazy year of 2020 and say, Lord, I'm going to bring you glory according to your word by doing something. And then what, what do we do? Isn't that, that's the big question, isn't it? What do we do when people don't want to hear about it? What do we do when everything politically starts fights? Everything. You could say, George Washington was a president, and man, you're ready, get ready for a fight. Isn't it true? What do we do? I'm telling you right now, here's what God's about. He's building his church. He's building you up. You're his workmanship. 
to demonstrate His glory, to proclaim His gospel, to proclaim His excellencies, to demonstrate what He's like, to bring new people into that kingdom relationship with God, to demonstrate to them what does discipleship look like. Let me help shape you because God is shaping you, because He's called you. Let me tell you about the God whose word never fails in a time when you can't trust anybody's word. Can you trust anything any politician says right now? I don't know. Any of them. But there's one king who's on the throne. He's not going anywhere. He's committed to his church being built. His kingdom is established. It will never fail. He is the guarantee because he's alive. And you can look at my life because I'm his workmanship. And let me tell you what he's done in me. Let me show you by my family. Let me show you by my testimony of what I used to be and what I am now. And that's what Paul's talking about. What does he tell us in Ephesians 2 in the first four Four verses here, he shows us what we once were, dead in our trespasses. We were away from God. We were separated from him. In our dead state, we were following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is work in the sons of disobedience. We were blatantly sinning. We were cast out of all the community events of good things that God was doing because we were all about ourselves and selfishness. And we were not about anything God was about. We didn't care what his word was. We didn't care what he was doing. We were separated from him. We were dead, unable to produce anything good. We were subjected to futility in verse 3. I used to, uh, when I was a kid, my mom, one year for Christmas, uh, bought my brother and I uh, skating lessons, ice skating lessons, (coughs) figure skating lessons. And so... uh, so we went to Queenie Park, or one of the parks around that had an ice rink, and we had these skating lessons, and she was all excited about it, and we had to wear our <coughs> figure skates. And uh, to make that a little bit better, my dad bought us some blues hockey jerseys. Yeah, and then I feel better about that, you know, because we weren't allowed, because we were in the figure skating class. We weren't allowed to wear hockey skates. And so I don't remember how old I was, 10 or 12, but this was not a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> now, it was super fun. It was super fun. And I, you know, fell a million times, but I got to learn how to actually skate a little bit, and it was great. And then one day I had this realization. And the realization was, I can wear a hockey jersey. I can pretend to be part of the blues, but I'm not on the team. And at the end of the day, I do my little lesson, and then you just get kind of stuck in one of those open skate things, you know? And there's a hundred people who are just going around in a circle. Hey, you can't go the other way, you're going to die. So you, you got to go with the flow, right? And if you're trying to hold on to the edge, God help you, because somebody else is trying to hold on to the edge. Somebody's going to crash and fall. So you just got to be kind of in the middle and just go with the flow and not be too crazy. Maybe you can go a little faster, but at the end of the day, you just go around 100,000 times. That's all you do. That's it. It was total futility. I could pretend to be on the Blues team. I wasn't on the team. I could pretend to be a hockey player. I didn't even have the right skates. I could pretend to be a figure skater, God help us. (laughs) I could skate fast, I could skate slow. At the end of the day, I just skated and skated until he told me to leave. It's futility. That's what life is like. Fake it. Try, degrees, career, family, pretend to have success. Everything's going to be okay. I'm righteous, I'm good. I promise I'm a good person. I promise. I give to charities, I help out. But then when you're in front of the holy God, And you see his holiness compared to our unholiness. You see how perfect he is and how he walks in perfection. And his standard is the standard of the obedience of Jesus Christ himself. 
And then you look at your own life and the things you've built, and you've built it upon selfishness. You've built it upon faking being in the team. You've built it upon just going around and around. You say, Lord, everything I've done is futility compared to your righteousness. What can I, what can I offer you? And God, out of his graciousness, though we were separated, though we were dead, though we were subjected to futility, though we were condemned by our sin, though we were in our trespasses, pulled us through Christ into life with himself. He didn't just forgive your sins. He put your sins onto his perfect son, Jesus. He didn't just forget about things that we've done. He didn't just forget about failures. He put them onto Christ. And Christ died for us and suffered the penalty and rose again. And then he didn't just forget about you and just leave you some blank slate, blank canvas to maybe go do something. But instead he made you a workmanship, his own craft in Christ Jesus. That he would put the righteousness of Christ in you. That he'd put his own Holy Spirit in you. That he'd make you his in every way. That your every thought becomes captive to him. That your whole life becomes not an effort of futility, but instead fruitfulness because you know him. And now as we do things, even in failure, his forgiveness shines on us with such grace and life that we just belong to him. What a great God we serve. No longer subjected to futility, but even in our failure brought into life and fruitfulness. What a God. What a calling. What a life. What an identity in Him. And it's all because of Jesus. And it's all in Jesus. And it's all united with Him because without Jesus we have nothing. But oh, in Him. We're joint heirs. We're made His. We're resurrected with Him. We have life in Him. We're not dead in our trespasses anymore, but we're wiped clean and made righteous and alive. We're raised up with Him to rule and to see the world the way God wants it to be so we can do something about it. And we're seated with Him so that we're actually empowered to really do something. You know, sometimes I walk into a restaurant or wherever, and... Uh, and my Italian side, which is not actually that much of my heritage, but uh, rings with some lessons that I learned in my past. And my uncles, my great uncles, used to meet at an Italian restaurant on the hill every Tuesday at 11. Every Tuesday. They had their own table, and they'd come in, they'd eat, and it was a big deal. And uh, so occasionally when we go to that restaurant, it's called Canetto's House of Pasta. We'd go to Canetto's down the hill, and the owner would be around, and he'd, he'd recognize our family and recognize us. And if there was an hour wait, we'd get in in 15 minutes. It was awesome. It was the greatest thing ever. And so, uh, so I remembered that. And sometimes every once in a while, I walk into a place when I start to feel anxiety or I feel isolated or I feel unsure or I don't know. And I just let something well up in me where I remember my father owns all this. I have a place at the table. There's a table reserved for us. No matter what's going on, I belong here because this is his. And boy, you walk into a Best Buy as a son of the king. Now, you don't do that harassing people because what did Jesus do? He came to serve. He came to love. He came to call to righteousness. He didn't come to be served. He didn't come for the special time off discount thing by walking in, oh, your table's ready. That's not what he's about. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we tend to walk through life back in that junk of feeling like we're still separated, we're still isolated, we're still in the grave. How could God love us? And instead, he's lavished his sonship on us. 
He's made you a daughter of the King. He's united you with Christ. He's given you His righteousness. He's seated you in heavenly places. And then you walk into Best Buy like, this belongs to Jesus. And you don't, don't shout that. They're not, they're not going to help you. But you walk in, what do you do? You look, what is God calling me to today? What did He prepare before I was born that in this God-forsaken Best Buy, it's going to look like the kingdom. I'm telling you, changes your outlook, doesn't it? I'm not perfect at it. I'm telling you right now. But God is, and he's in you, and he's united you with himself. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I'm telling you, if you're not in peace right now in your life, it's probably because you're not doing his mission. It's probably because you walk into Best Buy just looking for the best deal. And the Holy Spirit in you is going, wake up, son. Wake up, daughter. Look around. This belongs to me. It's yours by birthright. All the people in here are going to bow the knee to Jesus. Let's do that together. And instead, man, we're just fixated on the ad that we saw. I saw this. This computer, is it's half off, right? How can it? It's not ringing upright. Um, I don't mean to be mean, but I'm going to need to speak to a manager. God help us. Well, that's, what, that's what things get reduced to. Because the world is telling us, and the world, and false Christians are telling us, that the gospel is about getting the best deal. The gospel is about getting the most money. The gospel is about getting the best blessing. And we walk out of that Best Buy like, I'm so blessed. And it is great to get a good deal, isn't it? Praise God for that. But how much better to walk out of Best Buy? Man, I changed somebody's life today. I changed I'm going to call them tomorrow. They're coming Sunday. They're going to be part of the body. I'm going to disciple them. I don't even know what to say. I have no idea what to do. But they're coming to my house for dinner. We're going to figure it out. And see, isn't that more like God? And some of you are thinking, oh, Lord, don't. I don't want them at dinner. You know what? Just God's prepared beforehand works for you to do. That meet with your personality. That he's equipped you to do in your talents. That he's prepared beforehand in his workmanship to make you look like him so that you're ready. And he's not going to throw on you things that are not according to what he's called you to. And so you can be at peace. That if the model of what I just said is not exactly how it works for you, just do good things for God. Serve him. Walk in, look for places that you can serve. You know, I got offered a job one time um, in Branson. We were on vacation in Branson. And somebody, you know, Branson's got some people sometimes on vacation who don't care about the world. And so uh, somebody was a little inebriated or something, and ran their cart into a stack of uh, chili man chili on display or something like that, or vegetables or some cans. Cans are everywhere, right? There's rolling down aisles. So, uh, so I just jumped in and started stacking cans to put the display back together. And the manager of the, it was like a Walmart or something like that, walked up and, and she was just flabbergasted. She was like, what are you doing? I said, well, somebody ran into this. I'm just fixing it. She said, did you do that? I said, no. She goes, well, man. Do you, want, do you want a job? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I'm just here on vacation. She's like, I don't, I'll pay you whatever you want. You know? <laughs> Come work for me. Will you work? Just, I, wow, thank you. And she's like, well, I got it now. I said, no, I'll help you. Let me help you finish it. Uh, I, okay. It just, why would you do that? I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. He wants this display to look nice. Other people don't care. I'm going to make it look nice for Jesus. And it'll be a blessing to you. Are you blessed? Good. Move on. Just be like him everywhere you go. 
take the pressure off a little bit because he prepared the works beforehand for you to do them. That means they're going to happen, number one. And number two, he will equip you. He will help you, and he will walk you through. You are seated with him. You know, I, uh, my brother-in-law, David Kennedy, is an awesome guy, and when I first met him when we were younger, um, you know, he was dating Sarah and all this kind of stuff, and we met, and my house had a little basketball hoop thing, and so I knew he liked basketball, so we played a game of pig together. Now, David was a point guard for William Jewell. Like, he's a real basketball player, and I was a fake uh, figure skater. So, so he's, he's like, David knows what he's doing. He knows how to make baskets, right? And I knew, like, gym class taught me how to throw a basketball. Not this way. I was better than that. You know, so I knew how to, like, shoot a basket, but I'm not a basketball player. And so I knew I could never, like, play one-on-one with him. But, like, we're going to play pig. You know, David's talent was wasted in destroying me on pig. The only way I could score any points is, like, I'm going to go behind the basket. I'm going to throw it backwards over my head. You know, it had to be fake because his fundamentals were so good. He was a real player. He could destroy me in pig because that's what he did. He was created to do it. He was awesome at that stuff. I didn't have those gifts. God has not put you in the game to play pig. He's not given you gifts to just do frivolity and do silly stuff around. He's called you to change lives. He's called you to change organizations. He's called you to speak to kings and queens. He's called you to do great things, and he's given you the gifts to do it. That your talents are not wasted playing some pseudo figure skater ridiculous guy in pig. But instead, God's putting you into the real game to really score points for his kingdom. God is glorified by you. And if right now you're sitting there going, well, I'm a failure. I, I don't, what do I have to offer? Maybe if I go to school for six more years. Maybe if I, you know, I should, I'll wake up tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. I'm going to wake up at 5 and read my Bible because it's been a long time. That would be good. Praise the Lord. Do that. But also I'm telling you, you're a son You're a daughter of the king. Be who you are. In your spirit right now, say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you more than I feel. Lord, I trust you that you didn't just put a fake jersey on me and say, go be a figure skater. But Lord, you made me yours. You united me with Christ. I'm standing on this word that I belong to you. Because we are called in this time to do something great. To build the church. That's what God's about. We're going to start a sermon series now on Ephesians about how is God building the church and what does that mean? And I'm telling you right now, a 45-minute meeting, an hour meeting, they come and go, don't they? But God uses us. Through the week, He uses us. With our neighbors, He uses us. He uses us and prepares us to come that in the assembly we're ready to encourage people That God, even in a time like this, is using us. And we get built up and excited and remember the truth. And then also when we're down, somebody that we love calls us and says, I want to tell you, I'm praying for you. You're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. God's called you. He's got great things for you. He hasn't forgotten your family. I know it's hard right now. Don't be isolated. I'm here with you. Isn't that better? That's the truth. And the world is telling you a lie that God has forgotten. And he has not. The world is telling you a lie that God has stepped away, and he has not. The world is telling you a lie that if Joe Biden is elected or if Donald Trump gets reelected, that they'll be the saviors and they're going to fix everything. It's not true. It's not true. Because God has a king on the throne, and he has heroes 
He has princes. He has princesses in his kingdom that he's already dispatched to do great things. Now, should we be involved in election, all that stuff? Yeah, amen. But what I'm telling you is, be who you are. God's called you to more. He has not forgotten you. He's spoken a good word over you. Everything he said here will not come back to him void, but your life will be conformed to the image of Christ because God is doing the work and he said it over you. Amen?